to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys. Just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. How you doing, Adam? Oof. Having a day. <laughs> oh, I'm, about no. to, uh, I'm about to get on an airplane. I'm going to New York tomorrow. Yeah. You're, uh, you're racing to finish an edit, and then you're, uh, you're going to visit some friends in New York. I'm jealous. Yeah. I miss New York. Yeah, uh, you're still legally prevented from <laughs> visiting. I'm going in a couple of months. Yeah? Yeah. That's when the statue of limitations is up. Stupid. <laughs> it was my home for 15 years. Yeah, it there's really no was. St- there's no statue. The only statue is the Statue of Liberty. A friend of ours came over last night, and uh, and she referred to Seattle as our home. Uh-huh. And uh, I said, uh, I don't think it is. I don't think of Seattle as going home when I go and visit. Wow. I think that means I've unpacked my mind. That's really remarkable. Um, I was having a conversation just the other day with a friend who is a beer brewer in Bend, Oregon. And I asked her if she felt like an Oregonian because she's been there we grew up, uh, you know, in the Bay Area and uh-huh. went to high school together. And she went off to college in Eugene and then has stayed in Oregon ever since. You don't become a real Oregonian until you spit on your first Proud Boy, right? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. You're not actually allowed to get a driver's license until you do. Well, she said that like her having grown up in California is something that is not a welcome fact about her to some of the people that she comes across because there is a lot of antipathy toward Californians moving moving there and uh-huh. uh, and she she she's heard people say like if you haven't lived more than half of your life in Oregon it doesn't you you, you can't call yourself uh, an Oregon person. Fuck out of here with that. Like, give me a fucking break. <laughs> Step gatekeeping bend. No, but like, I, I, I told her, like, when I lived in New York, like, people would say, oh, if, if you haven't lived in New York five years, you can't call yourself a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. And then I got to five years and I started hearing, if you haven't lived in New York for at least seven years, you can't call yourself a New Yorker. Yeah, they moved and, the goalposts and on then, you, huh? And then it was 10 years. So I don't know, like... New York uh, also doesn't feel like home anymore to me, which is something that breaks my heart because I love New York and I really miss it. I I can't wait to go back. I can't wait to visit all my peeps. I feel bad that 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 idea breaks your heart, though. I mean, trying to become more comfortable with the idea of home just being where I am and (laughs) where I am with the friends and family that I have nearby, you know? Home is where the dog is. (laughs) It absolutely is. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, you're getting a pup. Yeah, that's going to be true for me in just a couple of days here. You're coming back from New York, and 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 a and a new pup will be part of your life. As soon as we unlock the door, there will be just a pup waiting for us inside. <laughs> somebody's somebody's going to come over to your house and leave a puppy. <laughs> that's the new technology, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm trying to raise VC funds for <laughs> pupper. <laughs> no e, but before the r. It's an app-based 
product where you uh, you you put your your profile on the on the program, mm-hmm. and then you leave for a trip, and then when you come back, there's a puppy waiting for you. Yeah, that's going to be what's on the jersey on season three of Ted Lasso, right? Yeah, pupper. Yeah, sure is. <laughs> yeah, so so big times ahead for yeah. my household. Momentous times, indeed. We've had an empty home for uh, for far far too long, so we're looking forward to not having it be like that anymore. Yeah. It, it, it can't be like that anymore, Adam. They've got a bit of an empty nest situation on the Voyager in this episode, don't they? Yeah, they kind of do. Mom and dad left instead of the kids. <laughs> yeah, and and, and they, they have a very strict babysitter, turns yeah. out. <laughs> and uh, we get to know all the ways in which that is a failure right up front of Star Trek Voyager Season 2, Episode 25. Resolution. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> we start uh, in uh, on planet Runyon Canyon, <laughs> where the ca- camera pans down to a couple of Starfleet issue. Like these are these look like the kinds of stasis pods that five dollar carnival guitar guy would hop out of with a couple of low mileage pit woofies right and the liver that was about to explode in my face yeah they're big and they're nice like that diamond pattern quilted fabric that they're lying on is like such a beautiful detail like i i feel like these props in this episode really get a ton of care that feel like feels like extra for some reason when Chakotay and Janeway get out of their tubes, Janeway looks over at Chakotay and, and she's like, hey, you look just like how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> They've been in stasis for 17 days, Adam. That's a lot. You got to imagine there's going to be some creaky joints. Their faces are under glass out there in the elements. I'm surprised they don't have terrible sunburns. Oh, yeah, that should be a thing. That would be fun. <laughs> So they're there, and they've been there for 17 days because they've they caught something, yeah. Ben. They sat on a toilet seat on this planet, and, and they <laughs> caught something that there isn't a cure for. They both walked into this public restroom on this planet, and they saw the ass gasket, and they're like, I don't need it. Yeah, and, and you see what happens when you don't use the paper gasket? <laughs> 17 you, days of stasis, that's what you get. That single-ply piece of paper that would have otherwise protected you from all the microbes, surely. <laughs> I like the rapidity with which we ask and answer questions in this scene, right? Yeah. Can, can't they just stay on the ship? No. No. Because it's the planet that slows down the progress of their illness. Can yeah. the Vidians help this sort of illness? No. Not unless you mean by help, you're saying, allow them to harvest your organs by force. And so this is the only thing that they can do. They can sort of bide their time until a cure for their illness has been found. This is uh, all revealed through radio contact with Doc Holliday, which who mm-hmm. we learned in the last episode is not, I repeat, not using the name Schmollis anymore. No does not use that name nor would anyone else use it at him no that much we can guarantee we can guarantee that for the rest of voyager that will not come up ben i'm looking at uh, at one of the popular uh betting websites uh-huh. on the internet where yeah. you can just bet on all kinds of things and it looks like uh the doctor never being called schmalis again 
a minus 110 favorite, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and transfer every dollar I have. Okay. Onto that bet. That's okay. how sure I am wow. that, uh, that this one's going to pay off. Adam, I like I like those odds. And I mean, it's like the the return is going to be huge for us. So I'd say I'm going to put my personal savings and everything we have in the Uxbridge Shimoda corporate checking account. Absolutely. Uh, push that into the pot. Hey, if you don't mind, will you also do like one of those cash withdrawals from the credit card to the business credit card? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the, the high interest. The cash interest rate withdrawal. is very high on a on a cash uh, a cash advance on the credit card, but um, I like we're gonna get this money. This is big money. Yeah, this is a sure thing. So, so uh, she radios up to Tuvok, who has been left in command, and basically says, "Like, go ahead and leave without us." And uh, when there's transfer of command in Star Trek, there is usually uh, some ritual about it. This is very perfunctory, isn't it? This is just a matter of fact, we're staying here, you're up there, you're the captain now. Look at me, look at me, you're the captain now. (laughs) And that's it. We've seen seen Janeway self-destruct by doing no more than whisper to the computer. Uh Uh-huh. I feel like... Transferring command codes has typically taken a lot more pomp and circumstance than this, but maybe maybe that happened off screen because they're they can't go back to the ship because this disease will take them the second they're out of stasis and off this planet. They can't even be in stasis on the ship because it's too risky. But may, maybe she has already done that. Maybe she did it before the seventeen days in the pods. I really wanted to know the consequence for the illness. Yeah. Like there's no description of how fast it acts or how painful the symptoms are or what the symptoms are in general. Yeah. And I wish, like I wanted to be a little more fearful about what would happen to them if they chose to stay on the ship or or move to any other planet or whatever. It seemed pretty one-sided in terms of the conflict here. Yeah. And I and I thought that would be an opportunity for conflict that that was not taken. I mean, as it is, she's not so bummed to get left behind because she checked some of her interest-bearing accounts, and in those 17 days, like, they have really shown some impressive returns. Right. She's ready to hop back into the containment unit and chill. (laughs) I'm going to ride this out, baby. So this transfer of command happens, and Janeway orders Tuvok... Uh, to head on out of there after after sending down some some gear like you need to leave uh, continue course back home and also whatever you do no matter what the most important rule of all do not feed the Fidians your guts after midnight <laughs> no matter how much they cry no matter how much they beg yeah that's what you got to do I mean. This makes sense to me because if the Vidians find that there's two people just like defenseless by themselves on a planet, that's Easy their organs, pickings. right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a fight over those guts. Yeah. They're going to be all up in them guts. <laughs> Do you think the Vidians really like too short? He gets very anatomical. Yeah. <laughs> He's the most anatomical rapper there is. <laughs> After the theme song, there's a McLaughlin group where Tuvok kind of 
breaks the news to the crew that the Vidians are not going to be involved in this storyline. And they're like, wait a second, they have really great medicine. Obviously not great enough to solve their own problems, but maybe they can solve ours. Yeah, I mean, all we have is this worthless hollow doctor here who never fixes anything. <laughs> not going to be able to trust that guy. And Paris is like... You're the captain. Like it doesn't like whatever she said doesn't matter anymore. Just truck and do what you want to do. Yeah. Of a room full of very pissed off crew members, Paris is the most openly pissed off. The McLaughlin group does not go well, Enterprise. Like this is an airing of grievances in this scene versus a scene that you typically get in Star Trek, which is like the listing of possible solutions. Yeah. Kim is so shattered, he can't even get out of his chair at the end of the meeting. Do you remember this? Like, the scene ends, everyone walks out, and Kim is just, just totally wrecked. <laughs> the long night of the soul for Kim it's only beginning. so early in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely wild. I'm not certain what it is you expect me to do. Later on, Janeway radios Tuvok to say uh, that they've received their shipment of supplies. Yeah. Uh, it's It's basically like like a semi-truck full of Ikea boxes back there. <laughs> they got their work cut out for them. And yeah. uh, what sucks about this setup is that someone has already reserved the shelter with the picnic tables in this park and the grill and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So they've got to go build all this stuff on the other side of the park. And that's just going to make for an awkward hang the rest of the afternoon. I mean, it's a scene that's very interesting because it, it can really serve as a test of that of that internet conspiracy theory that IKEA furniture is confusing and hard to put together so that people will break up over mm. IKEA furniture and then they'll have to move apartments and buy a bunch of new IKEA furniture. Chicote kind of complains about the amount of shit that's been sent down to them. Yeah. Wouldn't you want everything? And though they mention having a shuttle on location, I really wanted to see a shuttle on the surface, or at least like a corner of one to suggest that it's there. I wonder if they left the shuttle in orbit. Could they just like call up to the shuttle and have the computer beam them up? I think your hypothesis about the shuttle in orbit has to be true because of the storm that happens later, right? Right. Because there's a storm that fucks up their their camp that you would think wouldn't harm a shuttle at all with right. what the shuttle's made out of. Right. Shuttle's made out of tougher stuff than this uh, yeah. canvas and angle iron uh, tent that they build. <laughs> uh, but they be they've also been left with like all of the scientific equipment that they will need for Janeway to kind of return to her roots as a scientist and study this disease and see if she can figure out a cure because this... This came from a, an insect. Her, her mission while they are stranded on this planet is find this insect, see if they can sequence the genome or the proteins or whatever, and figure out if they can solve their own problem, basically. I mean, Janeway's clearly going to be the one that takes the lead on the science. But right. as she digs through some of the gear, she's like, what is this scientific lubricant, Chakotay? <laughs> and, and also the box labeled scientific tax documents. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a question about the level of participation that, that Chakotay yeah. is going to, to be involved in. W slash R slash T, the science. 
Jacote, how can this box claim to have scientific rose petals and candles? <laughs> what do they have to do with science at all? So that's one of the concerns that Janeway has. Another is that, uh, you know what, let's just drop rank for a moment. Feels like every time we drop rank on Star Trek, it means some shit is about to be said. <laughs> this is like a very gentle request to drop ranks. Yeah. And uh, you get the feeling this setup might be her best shot at forgetting Tom Mervins once and for all. Because it feels like this is a situation without an expiration date. They're going to stay down there until a cure to the illness is found or they die of old age. They are going through the stuff, and she's very upset that her photograph of Tom Mervin's in the <laughs> Kmart picture frame is not among the effects Why? that they beamed down. <laughs> Why is that filed in Chakotay's tax documents? <laughs> what the hell, Chakotay? I mean, I'm all for people having kind of uh, broad interests but uh that doesn't technically seem like a tax document per se it turns out that chakotay's spirit guide is tom mervin's butt (laughs) that's why he can't reveal what it is to anyone yeah yeah. (laughs) especially to janeway so the vibe of a new start on the planet surface not exactly mirrored up on the ship because in engineering BLT is just bawling out an ensign for being yeah. distracted while filing a report. This is the and ensign uh, whose eggs were burning in the last episode. Yeah, so <laughs> she's just had a really rough couple of weeks. <laughs> And what's great about this episode is we stay with her for the rest of it and yeah. it's just like her day. She has like as many lines as uh, as Skulk Hogan on yeah. this show. As soon as this ensign is dismissed from this <laughs> scene, Kim sidles up to say that, like it's a little Soto Voce, right? He's like, yeah. you know, Starfleet crew isn't taking this very well. And how would I know? Who would talk freely to me of all people? It's a mystery. <laughs> they should really be talking to Neelix, huh? <laughs> on the Neelix News Network. Anyway... What's the temperature of the Maquis? Maquis? And BLT is like, yeah, I mean, the Maquis hate it too. Like, Tuvok but is they've our, hated num- everything our number one time. guy that we hate the most. Right. <laughs> but it does seem like the seeds of a sort of pro-Janeway mutiny are being planted here. Your point about Tuvok being Maquis' enemy number one is something I really wish the episode emphasized a little bit more. Mm-hmm. In in that point's absence, is this just the general sense that everyone hates what happened and they yeah. take it out on Tuvok? Yeah. But there are specific reasons why the Maquis could and should. Right. Skull Hogan and PLT maybe should have had like even stronger feelings about this. Right. But that's not what this episode's about, Adam. This episode is about Janeway and Chakotay getting into civilian clothing and sort of turning into Dr. Quinn characters on this yeah. on this planet's surface. They have definitely replicated their clothes from the Rumspringa Amish collection from the <laughs> 1996 JCPenney catalog that they used as inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I make fun of it because it's silly. But also, it is fun to see these two main characters get, I think, four costume changes this episode. And not to ruin it, 
All of the costumes are silly. You can't stand it, can you? Yeah. But it is still no less fun to see them in different things. I marveled at these costume choices. Like, Janeway's first dress, like, the, the Rumspringer comp is, I think, you're making because it is such a remarkably conservative dress by our standards con- contemporarily. You remember that episode we were watching where they were dancing in Sandrine's, and I think we went back and forth on, like, how it could have been any music choice for that because of the compression of time. Right. Like how uh, classic rock today is like music from the late 90s or whatever in a strange way. Like what if the clothing choices for their time on the planet surface were completely insane and uncommented on like like Chakotay in a tuxedo? (laughs) Janeway in like cut off jean shorts and a punk rock black leather biker jacket. It could be anything. It could be all the things. I think what is startling about Janeway's dress specifically is that it is so Little House on the Prairie mm-hmm. and not outdoorsy in, by our like contemporary standards. It suggests a gender role in terms of like the work that they need to do there. Yeah, and it and it doesn't seem like a practical outfit if you're going to be like doing a lot of hiking and like whatever laying on your chest to garden. Right. Yeah, it it is super gendered. And I'm not mad at it. Like I think that like there's a lot of love for this episode from the community for the like gender roles that it sort of implies may develop over time. And they're not like ultra traditional gender roles by any means. Like Chicote is the one that's doing the cooking, for example. It is not Little House on the Prairie gender roles specifically. It is right. merely like familial roles in in a very like interesting way yeah it made me very curious if this is where it starts when it comes time to reap what is going to happen at that point right if we're sewing floor-length dresses what will we reap so it's time for janeway to share her goodbye message with the ship and it's a message you really want to listen to on the bridge if you can possibly get a ticket right we hung on the shot of janeway with her message so long, I thought we were being deprived of the cut around to the people listening to the message. I became momentarily really frightened we weren't going to get the thing I wanted the most, which well, is the emotion in receiving this kind of message. Yeah, and crucially, it's the shot of her saying the message that's like the close-up of her facing camera left, Chicote facing camera right, a yeah. vase in between their faces... This is a scene that makes it very much about Chakotay and Janeway as much as it is about the crew. Yeah. We do get cuts around the ship for their ship reacts. (laughs) And in his case, Tuvok's message in reply is as heartfelt as he is able to make it. I thought his words were really great, too. Thank you, Captain. He starts singing at the end of his message, which, again, like... (laughs) I think at this point it's a little forced. And it's like, come on, man. Like, you got that one song. Broaden your repertoire if you're going to be singing all the time. I don't want to cut too far into the end, but when the crew becomes more openly hostile to Captain Tuvok, they bring this up over and over again. And why are you singing all the time? The crew fucking hates that. (laughs) Cut it out. When we come back from commercial, Janeway is in a monumental 
stone tub that Ch- Chakotay has been sneaking off into the woods to make for her. It's like it's like made out of obsidian or something. It's it's like super thick. It's a thick daddy. It's not <laughs> it's wood. It's a thick tub. It's tub thick and yeah. Uh, yeah, she's like she's having like a a soak like late at night on the edge of the woods outside the outside the apartment. I kind of wanted a prop callback to the water reclamators from the pilot episode of the series, you know, the ones that they wanted to give to the Kazon. Because when I saw this big bathtub filled with water, I was like, well, how did they fill it? <laughs> and then it, it stood to reason that they would use a device like that to do it. Yeah. She is uh, she is so far unable to find the bug that bit them. And so she's starting to kind of re-strategize a little bit, trying to think about what she could do to solve this problem. She's like radioing Chakotay indoors, who is uh, like doing like finger paints or something. Chakotay, are you there? I'm uh, not dressed properly. Is it a mandala he's making? It's like a mandala made by like a kindergartner. Yeah. Because he's got the sand in his fists and he's just sort of like like milking the sand out of them. Yeah. She hears something go bump in the night and freaks out and Chicote runs out there with a flashlight and a dustbuster. Uh she has uh, wrapped herself in a towel and uh we meet a a monkey in the woods who is a like they they've suspected there there's some type of local primate, but uh, haven't seen one until now. Like a little cute little guy, this little guy. Outbreak the movie came out in 1995, and after that movie, I never trusted a monkey again. Do you think this is a TV show that knows that 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 has sort of because not to ruin the surprise. Nothing happens with this monkey. The monkey doesn't do anything. The monkey isn't germane to the story in any way. There's no utility for the monkey at all. I felt like it was using the monkey's reputation as an outbreak monkey to make me feel uneasy for the entire episode. I I felt manipulated. That's interesting because I sort of interpreted the monkey a little bit like... Not like a great execution of this, but like more like when you see a bird in The Sopranos, like it is there oh, as yeah. kind of like as like life goes on, huh? Of <laughs> yeah, that's what it means with The Sopranos <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Janeway holds out a pinky, and the monkey holds out their pinky, and then woke up this morning, got yourself a monk. <laughs> The lighting in this exterior night scene is really gorgeous on Janeway, I thought. But Chakotay is almost totally in the dark, I thought. Which is, I think, good, because at the end of this scene, Chakotay's caught looking. (laughs) (laughs) She comes in in a bathrobe, and and he's, like, holding a potted plant in front of his groin. (laughs) She's like, this monkey may be, like, a clue to the to the research that we're doing and he's like yeah um hey listen before you uh get on that laptop let me close the uh tax documents folder <laughs> i mean they say that the only two things in life are, uh that you can count on are death and taxes and we're stranded on a planet with no government so i can close that right 
Uh, turns out there is a third thing that I uh, can count on at this age. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people aren't so lucky, and I uh, I feel very fortunate. I'm not bragging. I'm I'm trying to acknowledge my uh, bone rocket privilege. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing I am going to work on is another tub to sit side by side <laughs> with your tub. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Uh, Chakotay tells Janeway that uh, maybe you're working too hard. You know, maybe you should uh, let go of the bugs and the science and whatever, but Janeway does not take this to heart at all. She is extremely determined to not stop looking for a solution to their predicament. I'm a long way from it right now. I need to keep looking. The subtext here is like, I am not going to be on this planet with you for the rest of my life. It's kind of brutal because he goes like, my people have a saying Mm -hmm. about even the eagle must know when to sleep. At the eagle's soul. And she's like, they don't have a saying. That's made up. That's fucking bullshit. That doesn't exist. You're full of shit again. Again with this. Let it go. I feel like this is a real tension, though, and and a tension that is, like, newly familiar between the people that are like, quarantine is A-OK by me, I like social distancing, I like not having to go out into the world, versus the, like, Janeway energy of, like, I'm going to science the shit out of this, I'm going to solve this problem. Isn't it also a different version of the tension that's been running throughout Voyager from the start, which is the how much do we fucking ache to get home and race to get there at all costs versus come around to the idea of the semi-permanence of our circumstances and try to come to grips with them. And, and instead of stirring up all of the conflict of being prevented from the thing that you want the most, try to like accept and make the best of the circumstances you're in. It's a tension that is very intensely explored in this episode. And the other tension that is very intense in this episode is the tension between the entire crew and Tuvok, which kind of comes up in this next scene where they're traveling through space uh, as fast as they can away from the planet that Chakotay and Janeway are on. And Mr. Kim comes up with a Vidian convoy on long-range sensors. And he is arguing for Tuvok to make an overture about, hey, can you help us with our captain? And uh, and Tuvok orders Paris to... to fly in the opposite direction, basically, like get away from the Vidians. Kim had just seen Crimson Tide, so he really, like, got it up (laughs) to foment a mutiny on the bridge here. Don't we have to try? Don't we owe that to the captain and the commander? We're all very well aware of what our orders are and what those orders mean. Now shut the fuck up! This is a fucking amazing scene, friends and Kim. The mutiny does not go well. It's basically your greatest fear if you're fomenting a mutiny. You're looking around, you're doing that thing where you're like, everybody with me, and everyone's on my side, and fuck you. (laughs) And it's just crickets. It's as if Kim were two Vicks here. That's the level of support he's getting. A lot of of, uh, stoned faces around the bridge of people that are 
biting their lower lip and looking away, wishing they had the courage to back him up. Yeah. When Tom Paris thinks your behavior is a little bit out of line, though, I feel like (laughs) maybe reevaluate. I don't know. I mean, if you're Tom Paris, you got to be hoping that Kim gets put in the brig for at least a little while. Free up a couple give, of Delaney sisters for for the rest of the crew. Yeah, give Paris a fucking chance. Instead, Kim is just kind of asked to leave the bridge, and he does so. Uh, but he goes down to the mess hall where uh, he meets up with uh, Skulk Hogan and Ensign Swin. I'd say in this scene, he's more like Sulk Hogan, Ben. <laughs> what do you think of that? That's pretty good. <laughs> it's a good punch up. Yeah. And they quickly rope BLT into their conversation. And the mutiny is definitely getting a little bit more of a head of steam around it now. Also getting a head of steam is the kitchen's interest in cooking with gherkins. This is now two episodes in a row where it's just all gherkins all the time coming out of that kitchen. People get their cucumber into little pieces for tzatziki in innumerable ways. Because Neelix is holding one that's been cut in half in one hand. I, I wondered if they, like, just had, like, okay, we've got Ethan Phillips in the makeup already, like, for, like, the two scenes he's in in the previous episode, and we've got Bonnie Turpin on set for the two scenes that she's in in the previous episode. Let's just shoot this thing in the galley. Hey, yeah. uh, what vegetables do we have around? Oh, we have gherkins from the previous episode? Okay, put those in Neelix's hand. Cool. Yeah. Cut one in half. <laughs> there we go. And so uh, this, this is the, uh, the core five of the, uh, of the team that is going to try and uh, change the course of Voyager history. It's pretty cool that Kim got his nuts absolutely smashed in on the bridge a moment ago, and that didn't deter him from what this is. He's ready to foment once again. Yeah, the fomentation continues <laughs> apace. We cut to Tuvok's quarters, and uh, it becomes clear here that Tuvok is a, is a streamer. He's an internet content creator, because what we know about all internet content creators is that Whatever is going on in the foreground, the background is lit with purple light. Right. Nobody wants them in real life, but if you're streaming something on the internet, purple light in the background is, for some reason, a very important aesthetic choice. Depending on your perspective, it is very late or very early when Kim enters, and Kim has a suggestion to share with Tuvok if he's up to hearing it. This is me apologizing. It's about as sorry as I can get. Apology accepted. What Kim suggests is maybe Dinara Pell and her goodwill, combined with BLT's brain matter, are a couple of chips that work in the Voyager's favor in this galactic poker game. We have, we have more leverage with the Vidians than we think, is basically the argument. <laughs> and Dubak is like, hey, counterpoint. Remember when we wasted 300 of them and destroyed one of their ships? And Kim is like, counter counterpoint. That was the other Voyager that I'm I'm definitely the only person from that ship here. And (laughs) I'm willing to apologize on their behalf. What if a very nice apology and then maybe... (laughs) Whatever the meat equivalent of a of a fruit basket is, 
What about like an edible arranged bowl, but it's made out of like chorizo? <laughs> Tuvok basically says something here that is refrained for the rest of the episode. Heavy is the head that wears the pips. You don't know what it's like. Kim rises to the level of mutiny. This is mutiny too for Kim. And Tuvok diffuses his bomb in a very captainly way and and says, unless you want to lose your job right here and now, you better, yes, sir, turn on your heels and go back to fucking work. I will turn this car around and drop you off on the planet with Chakotay and Janeway and then leave again. Kim basically gives Tuvok the fuck you of yes, sirs. Yeah. And that is that. Yeah. How close did Kim get to being roommates with Brad Dourif? <laughs> Give me the three-episode arc where it's Brad Dourif and Edson Kim. <laughs> the odd couple. They put a strip of tape down the middle of the room. Brad Dourif murders Kim with his own clarinet in a <laughs> in a scene that is straight out of Seven. Like, it is the most disturbing, grisly death scene ever. Down on the planet, Chicote is really making a house a home, and this is very uncomfortable for Janeway. Chicote is making some headboards here, Ben, ahead of the destruction he's planning to bring to the ones they already have. Yeah. These are Bert and Ernie or uh, Pa and June Cleaver style headboards, right? Like, are they sleeping in side-by-side yeah. beds? The headboards look kind of like the place where you put your feet on a leg press machine. Like, yeah. they have these big patterns on them, like kidney-shaped patterns. I was like, oh, like, what a chaste idea, these two, like, twin beds that they're sleeping next to each other in, until to have this conversation, Janeway sits down, and then Chicote does, like, a full Riker lean foot up on the log, like, look at my dick stance to, to talk this through. <laughs> There's been a costume change, Ben, and Chicote is wearing the belt straight out of the Andre the Giant collection from The Princess Bride. <laughs> Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> They'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> we needed two horses, and there they were. Hello, lady. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the Andre the Giant documentary on HBO that came out? I think it was last year. I wanted to. I haven't seen it. It was phenomenal. Andre was certainly, I mean, one of, if not the greatest drinker that ever lived. I myself saw him drink 20 to 25 beers, maybe four bottles of wine, usually several mixed drinks. This is a scene that made me wonder, is Chicote's efforts about giving up or what? And I think this is a question that, that Janeway's got in this scene, too. Like, hey, man, you're, you're working pretty hard for a guy who may or may not want to go back to Voyager. Like, your improvements seem permanent. Yeah. These are not the kinds of things that a renter does to improve the apartment. These are homeowner-style improvements. These are the good set of blinds, not the plasticky mini blinds. Because you know that the next set of windows you have won't fit these, so you're not going to spend right. an arm and a leg. So she kind of bails out of this conversation before it gets too heavy and goes to check the traps again. The yeah. bug traps, 
I should say. Yeah, she she's a bit of a trap queen in this episode, isn't she? <laughs> yes, she is. I don't like how they're held up, like they're dangling off of the trees with monofilament line. Could we mask out the fishing line and make this look like a cool futuristic bug trap? <laughs> well, Can we please do that? I kind of like that they were hanging and I, I like the implication of the mistake that they made it later in the episode because we find out that this is a burrowing insect that bit them, but these mm-hmm. traps look like they're designed to catch flying insects. So right. I kind of thought it was she like... fucked up. Yeah. Anyway, she's out checking the traps when the monkey shows back up and every time Janeway sees this monkey, she does the same move, which is she crouches and she slowly extends her arm to yeah. try and like welcome the monkey into their family. And the monkey is never interested in that. It just wants to screech at her, but it's, it's sort of getting her attention and the, uh, the weather changes. The wind really picks up. She looks up in the sky. It looks like that situation on that uh, on Bajor when Chief O'Brien went down there and was like roped into some weird cult. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Did you think for a moment that the monkey caused this storm? Oh, I didn't put that together, but I was because of the like color of the lightning flashes thinking about the family candle uh, that Beverly Crusher inherits. Yeah. In this scene, I feel like that yeah. that like green lightning flash is a big uh is a big candle fucker situation. <laughs> it is. So, uh I like that connection. Maybe maybe this is a spooky ghost monkey. There was a thunder and lightning storm a couple weeks ago in LA that was maybe the strongest, loudest thunder and lightning storm I'd ever been in, and I'd been in serious lightning and thunderstorms in the Midwest, and this put all of those to shame. Like my entire home was shaking, like yeah. things were falling off the shelves and stuff. And this storm on the planet surface is strong enough to knock Janeway onto the ground. Yeah, it's, it's bonkers. Chakotay gathers her up and uh, together they head towards the shelter. Where they should really be heading is the shuttlecraft. If the shuttlecraft is in orbit, I would have bought a, it's too dangerous to beam up right now. Yeah. And if That's it's, a stitch a dialogue solution to this problem. Yeah, that would have been a good thing to to pepper in here. But uh, instead, yeah. they just kind of like are cowering under a table for a long time in this episode. Like we get them rushing back to the shelter and then we get a scene in the ready room between Tuvok and Kess that is like a very different tone. Like it's it's one of those like there's an emergency in the in the A story, why are we in the B story kind of moments. Kess is in here making the case that, you know, you should really address the crew. Yeah. You know, the crew is a, is a feeling group of people being led by someone uh, who feels things a lot less. So maybe there's a way you could bridge that gap, so to speak, by going out there and talking to them. If you could sort of meld with their minds (laughs) or something. Tuvok totally does that thing where he had the crew in the first half of his speech and then he pivots into, hell yeah, we're contacting those sausage thieves and it's on me when we do it. Set course for those stinky butcher shop fuckers. (laughs) (laughs) And so they go. Yeah. Way to face criticism with bravery, Tuvok. 
I wasn't expecting this. I thought this was going to be another opportunity for Tuvok to be unflinching. Yeah, it's a really interesting scene. It's like a... He starts singing, though, at the end of it, which is like, God, give me a fucking break, man. Every time. I mean, Kes at one point in, in, in her little aside with him is like... Tuvok, like you, you're a Vulcan, so I know this is hard for you to understand, but morale is important to these people, which is why I'm proposing that you merge with the morale officer. We have oh, some yeah. of those orchids on board. We can make it happen. Maybe you got something out of the experience in the episode previous to this. Like maybe there's some sort of long-lasting effect yeah. to your character that we could have an opportunity to experience with you here. Something you gained from that experience that uh, you didn't have before, but now you do. I believe this is known as a a character arc, (laughs) if you will. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. 
Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got to get that. Latin would not be selling a heist. Gold. But seriously, Adam, this storm is fucking bonkers. They're under a table while their shelter gets just ravaged by lightning and thunder. Yeah, their arms are being rubbed for comfort. That's how dangerous things are feeling. It's really nice to see J in the arms of C, though, right? Yeah, it is, huh? It's really nice. I'd much rather see J in the arms of C than Seven in the arms of C. I wouldn't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> in the calm after the storm, the tricorders are telling them what our eyes already see as apparent. Shit is fucked, Ben. Yeah. The research project is over. Nothing is over! Nothing! You just don't turn it off! All of their equipment is destroyed. For some reason, the lubricant barrel remains unbroken, as well as uh, so many tax documents. Those things went unharmed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Structurally, like, they were made out of far sturdier stuff than anything else, which is kind of a mystery to me why that was the case. This kind of resolves the remaining conflict between Janeway and Chakotay because it's like, there's no way we're going to capture bugs and sequence their fucking genome at this point. Star Trek captains have a long history of not being great with giving up. I don't like to lose. The storm blew up the damn cabin we had. It's over. We got to abandon planet. No! She calls him a coward. Yeah. That was a bridge too far, Janeway. What the fuck? This is the scene where Janeway begins to let go of hope. She begins to treat the no-win scenario as being a no-win scenario. Back on the ship, we gather via Tuvok's log that the Vidians have said they're going to contact Inara Pell on their behalf. And the Vidians are familiar with the planet that Chakotay and Janeway are camped out on. And you better be damn sure Dinara Pell is on your side when you throw the Vidians that kind of raw meat, right? Yeah. I would have kept that factoid a little closer to the vest. Yeah, maybe don't describe which planet this happened on, because she's like, I know that planet. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's her very first guess. <laughs> I was kind of surprised to see I can name that her. planet in one piece of information. Yeah. She's like one of the few Vidians that isn't just hell-bent on harvesting every organ she can find. I never thought I'd say this, but I was happy to see your face in this episode. I thought she would only be referred to and not seen. Yeah, it was great that they that they brought the the actor back. And so she's like, Yeah, you guys can meet up. Like we know how to like solve this this virus. Like we have a an anti serum. Holler at your girl, here's some coordinates. They've got twenty hours before the meetup happens and Tuvok's like, Cool, so instead of any shore leave, I think a good thing to do in this case is 20 hours of battle drills. Just in case <laughs> we know what the Vidians are like. 
and uh, Kim is in the back of the bridge, and he's like, having just watched Crimson Tide, I can tell you that this is actually a really solid idea. I'm thinking we get Neelix to make just a whole mess of enchiladas for the entire crew. Just (laughs) really get into the enchiladas before we meet up. Hopefully there will be things going on gastrointestinally that Mm -hmm. will Mm -hmm. prevent a gut steel situation. Yeah. Down on the planet, Chakotay and the captain are clearing the downed branches off of their tattered shelter And Chakotay says, uh, hey, listen, we're in an area that's surrounded by woods. I would like to make a captain's log cabin. This is as good as our show has ever been, these last (laughs) few episodes. (laughs) The comedy is just burning hot and clean. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Very efficient comedy. (laughs) Chicote is like, the way I see it, we've got the main structure here, and then I can build a, a living room, a dining room, uh, a deck, maybe a nursery. <laughs> <laughs> and then he like yeah. unzips the front of his <laughs> tunic. This is very disappointing build quality from a 24th century structure, right? Like they called it a plasma storm. But give me a break. If fallen tree branches take this thing out, I'm not happy with what I've been sent from the ship. Yeah. The Federation really needs to revisit the design of its Quonset huts. Right. But they can't can't complain about this build quality for too long because uh, the the monkey shows up. Janeway maybe wants to have it as a pet. Yeah. They're talking about like, hey, we've got plenty of time and this monkey will be a challenge to... uh, to domesticate, but maybe we can do it. Pet ownership is a bad idea for a new couple, I think, Ben. Yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on the yeah. situation. We elliptically cut to later where Janeway is pretty sore from all the work she's been doing. This, this is sore from physical labor of gathering wood for log cabin, right? Is that what I think so. you understood? Yeah. She's not back to science. Science is off the table. Science is not on the menu, boys. (laughs) Chakotay has also been working just as hard, uh, but you know those hands aren't tired. No. He brings those those hands over, starts working out the knots. Yeah. Always a good idea to bring up your mother in a possibly sexual situation, as Mm -hmm. this one is. Every time. It works every time. (laughs) Janeway kind of allows herself to enjoy this for a bit before snapping out of the reverie like she doesn't want her basement to get flooded completely right it's just maybe we just had a storm and (laughs) we haven't installed a new sump pump yet i don't want to flood i don't want to run the risk of the basement flooding again totally good move in a situation like this she just bails back to the bedroom maybe she could bang one out on her own Mm -hmm. you know just sort of get that out of the system so that's not hanging over their heads as you're designing the log cabin could you include a bean flicking wing doesn't look like the headboard job got done yet, huh? Chicote, did they blow away in the plasma storm? Maybe so. Or, <laughs> or maybe she insisted that they not make them. The comedy of them both being under the table and the headboards flying around the room <laughs> during the storm <laughs> is not something they wanted to tempt. 
Yeah. At the end of the scene, we get the very rare single brass instrument of unfulfilled sexual desires, Ben, <laughs> which is a tune Star Trek doesn't play very often. The blue balls flugelhorn. The blueble horn. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> it's like we're two great tennis players out there. That rally can go for as long as you need it to go. Yeah. We're just doing it for fun at this point. For the love of the game. Back on Voyager, the Vidians are near. This is one of those rendezvous where, you know, you show up to the drop an hour late. The drop is on you. And uh, this is the Voyager pulling into a part of space where they are wrong-footed from jump. And uh, there are three Vidian ships that have surrounded them. Ugh, this is scary. This is scary. and, And combat feels imminent, but... Before we get to that, we've got to get back to the cabin. Uh, Speaking of tearing someone's guts out, Janeway <laughs> tells Chakotay that they need to talk. Speaking of firing a beam at someone that potentially breaks their heart. Chicote does that thing where he, he pivots the conversation away from the finality of a letdown to ancient family story time. He puts on that CD that was always advertised on television in the 90s with the pan flute music. Yeah. And he says, listen, there's an ancient legend from my people. One of my great ancestors was a man from Nantucket. (laughs) (laughs) Janeway knows he's just making it up. Janeway sees right through this. This is the first time he's told an ancient legend that he admitted was totally made up and fabricated. I mean, the limerick was a dead giveaway. (laughs) The point of Chakotay's story is that, like the audio slave song, he will wait like a stone. (laughs) After the commercial, it is a fucking firefight up with Voyager, Ben. Yeah. Damn you, Dinara Pell! They gotta be getting low on torpedoes at this point. I thought the same, yeah. But this is a existential threat. Like, you fire the torpedoes if you think you're going to die, and death seems imminent here. It does, and Six Bay is filling up. Like, more and more crew members are being brought in. Uh, but Doc Holliday, who is referred to again as Dr. Schmollis in this scene, oh, no. <laughs> takes a fucking FaceTime from Dinara Pell. Oh, Ben, we have lost... A lot of money. (gasps) Oh my god, I forgot about the bet we made at the beginning of this episode. Fuck! We have lost everything. Damn it! (laughs) No! Ah! (laughs) God fucking... Ah! Oh, you know what, Ben? I'm I'm actually doing fine. I transferred all of my 401k into a hedge bet on Schmalis being said again. This very episode... The hedge actually earned me back everything I put on no by betting yes, and then some, because it was the underdog. Hey, you have a 401k? Yeah. What's that like? (laughs) It's cool, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So so Denara Bell is like, hey, listen. Rarely has a bit pivoted so hard into serious ennui. <laughs> like that one. She's like, hey, listen, like my boss did not tell me that this is what the plan was. Like I got completely fucked over here. 
but I do have your serum. If you can get your shields down, I will give you transporter coordinates to get this stuff, and uh, and you can be on your way. And so Doc Holliday talks to Tuvok about this. Maybe Tuvok's one great moment as captain is he like walks the, the entire crew through the sequence of events. This is my favorite moment of the episode. I love how he tells you what they're going to do and then they do it and then he tells you what they've done. You love you love it when Tuvok talks dirty to you. The decisiveness of Tuvok here is what I love the most and this rides off of the decisiveness that he has shown throughout the episode. Yeah. He stuck to his guns on every decision, on most every decision, and it is that impulse here that saves the day at the end. I wondered about the like ejecting the antimatter container thing. Like it's, I don't know if this. Why aren't they doing that the whole time? Like it seems like something that they either couldn't afford to eject, or a thing that they should do like frequently, but not both. You know, it's the fry oil from the mess hall. Yeah, because like like there was a tension in my mind here that was like, oh fuck, are they gonna kill Denara Pell? Like, did she just fucking die because they asked for her help and she got fucked over by the leaders of the Vidians? And this is like yeah. forcing their hand. Like they have to destroy these three ships to save their goat. It sure felt like. If the ships were to be destroyed and she were to die, that would be a sad moment. But that the ships are only damaged and not destroyed made me wonder in what greater trouble Denara Pell might be for surviving the incident and being found out. Yeah, we don't really know what their society is like internally. Um, well, internally, I feel like their society looks like the internals of many other races. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll find the similarities pretty striking, Ben. If you want to talk about what Vidian government is like, uh, let me just tell you, you don't want to see how the sausage is made. <laughs> <laughs> I love that everyone at home got to see that expression. It was Bill Maher. I saw Bill Maher. <laughs> In that oh, God, moment. fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it works, Ben. The medicine gets beamed over. I don't know why they beamed it over to Six Bay instead of next to the warp core, where yeah. important things belong when you beam <laughs> them over. And having succeeded in, in damaging the other ships, they warp right over to the planet where Janeway and Chakotay are on. And we catch up with Janeway having sort of finally made peace with a long life here on the planet that is symbolized by the fact that she is beginning to cultivate plants. Like she, she's just uh, made a vegetable bed and planted a bunch of Talaxian tomatoes. And you could say Ben, that she's starting to put down roots. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Weirdly. Chakotay would not like to dwell on the subject of her tomatoes. I find it very satisfying now. But does want her attention back inside the hut. I've sprayed these tomatoes for aphids, but the liquid that I used seems to have a strange viscosity. Chakotay, what is this, and why do we have so much of it? I guess he's less less interested in tomatoes, and he's more of a peach enthusiast. <laughs> The bugs are just sliding off of the leaves. 
He takes her inside to uh, to focus his energy on a boat with a man in it. <laughs> yeah, what's great about this this schematic is that there is no man on the boat, <laughs> as if this is a concept completely foreign to Chakotay. He has not found that yet, but they've got a lot of time, so they can work on that, you know? Yeah. While they're standing there, the uh, the communicators start to chirp. Yeah, you get old time radio sound out of the communicators as the as the Voyager comes back into range. Yeah, and there's Tuvok. He um, explains that they have solved the virus problem, and that they're there to pick them up. And uh, it is news that is very bittersweet. Yeah. This is Chicote's one chance. And he blew it. <laughs> <laughs> you had weeks, Chicote. <laughs> you think Harry Kim has weeks with any one person? No. He's got like He gets minutes. in there and he closes the deal. Yeah. A always B <laughs> B K Kim. Uh, they got 30 hours to say goodbye to the Outbreak Monkey, which they do, and then the button on the episode is they're back on the bridge. Didn't take them long at all to fall back into their pattern of work. Yeah, captaining in a starship is uh, a lot like riding a bike, which is something that Chicote will never know anything about. <laughs> Did you like the episode, Ben? <laughs> you know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. I really did. I mean, I think that this episode does something very interesting to explore the motivations of these characters and the way they deal with that. I think that this episode and the previous episode feel very related in my mind because they are both kind of talking about that weird middle thing that isn't quite grief that the Voyager crew is going through. And like... Even pre-grief can get you pregnant, though. Right. Strap it up if you're going to be... Fooling around with grief. Flung across the galaxy 75,000 light years away from your family. Because... Yeah. That moment at the end where there is just a wordless shot of Janeway walking out in her uniform. It's the first time we've seen her in her uniform since the beginning of the episode. Too much fucking shit on me. I can't breathe. And it is clear that she is sad to be leaving this place and this life behind. Yeah. And it feels like something that she has had to confront repeatedly in her life now. And she gets back into her captain mode so easily. And mm-hmm. and Jakote gets back into her, his first officer mode so easily. And like the metaphor of their roles as told through fake old timey story of my people feels very poetic in that moment as well. But the idea of the pain of being these characters going through what they're going through and also understanding the way they cope with that pain, the way Janeway copes with that pain by like the zest for exploration and Chicote's way of dealing with it by throwing all of his energy towards supporting her and taking as much weight off her shoulders as he can because otherwise all he would want to do is stop and chill the fuck out and stay away from everyone is really nicely described in this episode. And it's one of my favorite episodes of Voyager so far. Whoa. I could have used a few more facets of complexity to their deal on the planet because 
it's the button on the episode that makes me feel like an aspect to their life there was missing because I wanted to feel like Janeway was relieved to not have to be captain anymore, to not have to have those responsibilities anymore. Mm -hmm. I wanted something about their life there to be attractive to her in that way. Yeah. And there was not even a whiff of that. I think it got there just like right at the very end, but it was it was paper thin, you know. But it didn't have to do with her character's duty. It had to do with, with accepting their circumstances, which I think is a far different feel to the whole thing. And for Chakotay, I felt largely the same. Like the reasons a person joins the Maquis is because they reject so many of the things that Starfleet values as well, right? So where was his low-level subtext of like, God, I'm finally not in Starfleet anymore. Like, wasn't that, <laughs> you know what? I did it for a while, and now that I don't have to do it anymore, like, this is a relief also. I think I found the right word, like, relief. The relief to be on the planet surface is a feeling that I wish we had a little more of. Instead, we got that fucking monkey, and I liked everything about this episode besides the monkey. What was the monkey there to do? It was an unmotivated monkey. Get the monkey out of here. Why Replace are the ducks it. in Tony's pool, Adam? <laughs> Replace the monkey with some some of those relief vibes to the characters. And I'm 100% in on this episode instead of uh, the majority in. I still really liked it a lot. Yeah. But that's how I feel. I mean, I think that's a, that's a super valid read. I just, um, yeah, I, I think... Um, I'm curious about the relationship they'll have going forward. And I have read that there's a deleted scene in this episode when they get back and, and Tom Paris goes up to Chakotay and is like, what is your intention toward the mother of my children? <laughs> uh, but I understand why they cut that. That's great. I'm glad they didn't hook up. If that's going to happen, way too fucking early. Yeah, leave it for the uh, the slash between the J and the C. We got to Ross and Rachel this shit and, and <laughs> push it into the hinter seasons. Yeah. Uh, well, Adam, do you want to see if we have any, uh, any Priority One messages in the inbox? Sure do, Ben. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Our first priority one message is of a promotional nature. The message goes like this. In the style of Kevin making a late night TV commercial for his rubber doll business, JL Pipes and Crew scratches that itch, or we give you the itch. Come and see the newest rubber doll. <laughs> With subspace connections to stay up to date on long shuttle missions, you won't just meet friends of DeShoto, you'll discover all new topics that need context. <laughs> Who gets pushed out the airlock next? Who goes into the freezer? What happens when Captain Janeway and mutated Parrish push their beds together? <laughs> so the call to action here, Ben, is join JL Pipes and crew, and in parentheses, the Star Trek Timelines mobile game. Oh, so this is like a, a group of players in Star Trek colon timelines, it sounds like. Yeah. Jail Pipes and Crew, wow. We know Jail Pipes and Crew. Yeah. That, that's one of the first dogs of DeSoto. <laughs> yeah, do you think that this is the the same Jail Pipes as uh, as Hope and, and Robert's that, dog? 
the one that almost bit my face off at, at San Francisco Sketchfest a couple years ago. That was my fault, though. It's yeah. not J.L. Pipes' fault. You don't stick your face in another dog's face that you don't know. Yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Uh, Adam, our next priority one message here is from Ben, comma, preparing for his birthday, and it's to Ben, comma, on his birthday. It goes like this. It's my birthday. Play the role, Aaron Drop. You got a P1 message for yourself, Ben? That is not me. That's a different For your ben. birthday? That's a different... This is not my birthday. I don't, I don't have a birthday in mid-November. Everybody knows that. At the date of this this recording, your birthday is this Friday. It yeah. is not mid-November. And yet, this P1 makes me want to believe that this was you <laughs> making your own birthday P1. But I'm it's not. better it's a with separate money ben. than that. Come on. We need to respect other Ben and, and quit comparing that Ben to, to you. Happy birthday, other Ben. Yeah, happy birthday, other Ben. It's okay that you have my name. I'm, I don't feel weird about it. Ben, our final priority one message is from Brie Belke. Whoa, one of the best friends in DeSoto. And it's to all JC shippers everywhere. And the greatest gen team. <laughs> message goes like this. It's finally here, the episode where all Janeway X chicote shippers have their heart pulled out and too vixed. What? <laughs> too soon? He built her a bathtub. <laughs> if that isn't the this old enterprise meets love, I don't know what is. <laughs> we all deserve to have a number one like Chicote, even if he stretches an ancient legend. Speaking of romance, happy engagement to the card daddy. Aww. Happy engagement, card daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Card Daddy Bill Tilly recently engaged, working as we speak on building a bathtub yeah. for his future wife. We join Bree in congratulating another one of the best friends at DeSoto. Thanks, Bree. Today, we're carving a bathtub out of obsidian and connecting it to the plumbing of this hut using PEX tubing that we have laid underground and insulated. With a spray and a uh, foaming adhesive. As the mason on this old house, I have the thickest Boston accent. <laughs> requiring the show to use subtitles <laughs> during every scene. We're going to use a notch trowel to <laughs> lay down <laughs> some cement, and then we're going to set the tub right on top of that, and it'll stay snug and secure. Well, you can make sure the greatest generation stays snug and secure henceforth on the internet by buying a priority one message over at MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. And uh, we thank all of those who have already done that, especially Ben and Bree and the JL Pipes crew from today. Thank you. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Shimoda. Harry Kim has no fucks to give. He's my Shimoda. What about you? Neelix holding gherkins when he walks into a shot. Always funny to hold a gherkin when you're walking into a shot. Yeah. Uh, I was tempted to give the person with the gherkins in the last episode my drunk Shimoda for that reason. Yeah. But uh, this this time I'm not going to let it go by without drunk Shimoda-ing it. 
Great call. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do it. Adam, why don't you tell us what kind of call we're going to make on the next episode by heading to gach.biz slash game while I tell you about Season 2, Episode 26, Basics, Part 1. Ooh. Using Chakotay's son as a pawn, Seska lures Voyager into an explosive showdown with the Kazon. <laughs> this is going to be the Mari Povich episode of Voyager, and you know how this cliffhanger is going to end with a <laughs> manila envelope. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Ben, I'm over at gach.biz slash game, where we have the game of buttholes, the will of the prophets. We have our runabout on square 39. Nothing but smooth sailing and the tiles ahead. I'm going to roll this die. Ben, I've rolled a one. <laughs> gotcha. Which means we've landed on square 40. Chula! Uh, Did I win? Hardly. We have not left the fourth row. And for the season finale of Star Trek Voyager Season 2, we will be recording a regular old episode. Man, a regular old episode. Can you believe it? We've really just been reg-epping it a lot lately. Uh, hopefully it's shorter than the two-hour episode we've recorded for this one. God fucking damn it. Uh, well, the... Uh... Last couple of episodes have been have been long boys, like so many headboards mm-hmm. that Chakotay makes. We uh, really appreciate the folks that support our ability to make these long boys. People that head to maximumfun.org/join and support on a monthly basis, or folks who uh, recommend the show to friends, family, coworkers within the HR policies of wherever they work. Religious leaders, Mm -hmm. spiritual advisors, Mm -hmm. strangers on the street. Yeah. They need to hear the good news. Yeah. On Greatest Gen. Go spread the good word. Uh, That's important. We got to thank the card daddy, Bill Tilly, who is engaged, has been for quite a while. We knew knew about that. We did. We probably should have congratulated the card daddy a lot earlier, but we're thoughtless jerks. We're not trying to put his his big news out on Maine. That's up for him to do. That is, and I guess yeah. Bree Belke. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> listen, Bree Belke is in charge of this whole situation. Honestly, Bree Belke has the upper hand now. <laughs> uh, we got to thank Adam Ragusia, who made the original theme song for the Greatest Generation Voyager, and Dark Materia, who made the original theme music for the Greatest Generation Period. And with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that has determined that was a lie. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.